Sailed right to true sunk posts. The pasture behind, taking in nearly half of our claim, was fenced tight. The barn was small, but it was solid, and we were raising a loft at one end for the alfalfa growing green in the North Forty. We had a fair-sized field in potatoes that year, and Father was trying a new corn he had sent all the way to Washington for, and they were showing properly in weedless rows. Behind the house, Mother's kitchen garden was a brave sight. The house itself was three rooms— Two, really, the big kitchen where we spent most of our time indoors and the bedroom beside it. My little lean-to room was added back of the kitchen. Father was planning, when he could get around to it, to build Mother the parlor she wanted. We had wooden floors and a nice porch across the front. The house was painted, too, white with green trim, rare thing in all that region, to remind her, Mother said, when she made Father do it, of her native New England. Even rarer, the roof was shingled. I knew what that meant. I had helped Father split those shingles. Few places so spruce and well-worked could be found so deep in the territory in those days. The stranger took it all in, sitting there easily in the saddle. I saw his eyes slow on the flowers Mother had planted by the porch steps, then come to rest on our shiny new pump and the trough beside it. They shifted back to me, and again, without knowing why, I felt that sudden chill. But his voice was gentle, and he spoke like a man schooled in patience. I'd appreciate a chance at the pump for myself and the horse. I was trying to frame a reply and choking on it when I realized that he was not speaking to me but past me. Father had come up behind me and was leaning against the gate to the corral. Use all the water you want, stranger. Father and I watched him dismount in a single flowing tilt of his body and lead the horse over to the trough. He pumped it almost full and let the horse sink its nose in the cool water before he picked up the dipper for himself. He took off his hat and slapped the dust out of it, and hung it on a corner of the trough. With his hands, he brushed the dust from his clothes. With a piece of rag pulled from his saddle roll, he carefully wiped his boots. He untied the handkerchief from around his neck and rolled his sleeves and dipped his arms in the trough, rubbing thoroughly and splashing water over his face. He shook his hands dry and used the handkerchief to remove the last drops from his face. Taking a comb from his shirt pocket, he smoothed back his long, dark hair. All his movements were deft and sure, and with a quick precision he flipped down his sleeves, re-knotted the handkerchief, and picked up his hat. Then, holding it in his hand, he spun about and strode directly toward the house. He bent low and snapped the stem of one of Mother's petunias, and tucked this into the hatband. In another moment the hat was on his head, brims swept down in swift unconscious gesture, and he was swinging gracefully into the saddle and starting toward the road. I was fascinated. None of the men I knew were proud like that about their appearance. In that short time, the kind of magnificence I had noticed had emerged into plainer view. It was in the very air of him. Everything about him showed the effects of long use and hard use, but showed, too, the strength of quality and competence. There was no chill on me now. Already I was imagining myself in hat and belt and boots like those. He stopped the horse and looked down at us. He was refreshed, and I would have sworn the tiny wrinkles around his eyes were what with him would be a smile. His eyes were not restless when he looked at you like this. They were still and steady, and you knew the man's whole attention was concentrated on you, even in the casual glance. Thank you, he said in his gentle voice, and was turning into the road back to us before Father spoke in his slow, deliberate way. Don't be in such a hurry, stranger. 
I had to hold tight to the rail or I would have fallen backwards into the corral. At the first sound of Father's voice, the man and the horse, like a single being, had wheeled to face us, the man's eyes boring at Father, bright and deep in the shadow of the hat's brim. I was shivering, struck through once more. Something intangible and cold and terrifying was there in the air between us. I stared in wonder as Father and the stranger looked at each other a long moment, measuring each other in an unspoken fraternity of adult knowledge beyond my reach. Then the warm sunlight was flooding over us, for Father was smiling and he was speaking with a drawling emphasis that meant he had made up his mind. I said, Don't be in such a hurry, stranger. Food will be on the table soon and you can bed down here tonight. The stranger nodded quietly as if he too had made up his mind. That's mighty thoughtful of you, he said, and swung down and came toward us, leading his horse. Father slipped into step.